Now, here's what's happening, okay? This <clears throat> Revelation, when you get to the end, is about things that are happening in the future. But by and large, Revelation is about what's happening now. It's about what was happening then. It's about getting a peek under the veil of God to see the heavenly realm and to know what is happening on this earth. And so John is saying, these saints, they're coming out of a great tribulation. And John's readers are listening, and they're like, yeah, we're in it. We're getting burned. We're getting exiled to random islands in the Mediterranean Sea. We're experiencing persecution. We're in it. You see, this is a book of hope. And I know so many of you all, and many of you I don't know, but so many of us are in or have been in some sort of great tribulation. If you haven't, you will. You will. And so we read this, and we say, who are the saints of God? And the elder sitting next to John, he says, look, it's these men and women. They've come out of the tribulation. They've been there. What a great source of hope. That these tumultuous times, these great tribulations that we are in, that there's something more. There's something on the other side. That we'll one day join this great throng of people before the throne of God. And that we have brothers and sisters who have come before us who are already there. What hope we can find in these words. The saints of God have been through a great tribulation. Who are these saints of God? The last thing we see. They have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 14. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the of the lamb. What an amazing contradiction. Anybody ever get blood on their clothes? It's not white. It's very red and it's very hard to get out. But the saints of God have actually been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Their sins have been cleansed. They have been wiped away. And so that when God looks on his people, when he looks on the people who know and love Jesus Christ, what does he see? He doesn't see their sin. He doesn't see their shame. He doesn't see their lying or their stealing. He doesn't see the evil thoughts of their heart or their covetousness. When God looks down on his people, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. Nothing you've ever said, nothing you've ever done, nothing you've ever thought can get in the way, can get between you and God when you know Jesus Christ. And so God looks at these people coming before the throne and he sees the people of God washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, come, come to me. And the saints of God come. And what do they do when they get there? Two things. They worship God and they receive the shelter of God. So they worship him in two ways. One is worship very similar to what we're doing here today. They, they sing songs, they pray, they, they get on their knees before the Lord. And we see that in 11 and 12. 
all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to God forever and ever. Amen. That's what we're doing now. Imagine as you come up to communion, actually coming up to the throne of God, and even though you can't see them being surrounded by the saints and the heavenly creatures of God. It's an amazing picture. But they also worship through their service. And so we see in verse 15. Therefore they are before the throne of God. And serve him day and night in his temple. And so the saints of God. They don't simply um, worship him. They serve him. Is that not what we're called to do when we leave this place? To serve God? To show his love and grace and mercy to all that we come in contact with? Maybe it's as simple as giving out one of those red hello cards that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks and doing something for somebody. Maybe it's praying for them. Maybe it's just showing somebody love who's never known the gracious love of God. But they serve him. The saints of God serve him. And that service is worship. And then finally, they receive the shelter of God. Just let yourself Soak in the beauty of these words. Him who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor the scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every tear wiped away. Every sin forgiven. Can you imagine that day? And the rest and glory we will experience when the trials and tribulations of today are wiped away. And we stand before the one who gives us life. The Lamb of God. And every tear is wiped from your eyes. That's where we're going, folks. That's where our friends and loved ones who know Jesus Christ, that's where they are now. What a great and glorious thing that will be. Now, here's the deal on this All Saints Day. As I said earlier, this isn't just for the great ones. It's not just for the St. Paul's or the Augustines or the Bernards of Clairvaux or Mother Teresa. It's for all of us. Here's a quote from a, um, <clears throat> a liturgical theology professor. Uh, we all have to read his book. It's a great quote. To those who know a little of Christian history, probably the most moving of all reflections it brings is not the thought of the great events, it's not the thought of well-remembered saints, but of those innumerable millions of entirely obscure, faithful men and women. Everyone with his or own, her own individual hopes and fears and joys and sorrows and loves and sins and temptations and prayers. Once every wit as vivid and alive as ours are now. They have left no slightest trace in the world, not even a name. 
but they have passed to God utterly forgotten by men. Yet, each one of them once believed and prayed as I believe and pray, and found it hard and grew slack and sinned and repented and fell again. Each one of them worshipped at the Eucharist and found their thoughts wandering and tried again, and felt heavy and unresponsive and yet knew just as really and pathetically as I do all of these things that we've been talking about this morning. And in the midst of our sins and our trials and temptations, in the midst of our wandering minds during worship and sermons even, you are the saints of God. And he goes on to describe a woman from a small village in ancient Christendom that she only had one name, a first name, he even forgets what it is. And her epitaph on her tombstone said, she lived, she is finally resting in the new Jerusalem that she long prayed for. That's all that's left behind is that she is finally in the heaven that she long prayed for. What if our lives were so soaked in prayer and worship that the only thing people could say about us when we die is they are finally in that place that they prayed for for so long. What if people who hardly knew us can look at our tombstone and say, there was Jesus. Are you a saint of God? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Then come and let's worship him with all of our might. Let's pour ourselves out to him in thanksgiving for what he has done for us. Let's pray. Lord, what a blessing it is to have these great saints, those well-known and those obscure and those forgotten have come before us. May our lives be shaped by theirs. May we all know the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ and have a hope beyond all hope to be delivered from this great tribulation and stand before the throne of God offering praise and honor and glory. Amen. This um, weather seems to have taken my voice with it, um, so I will, I will do my best to talk about the saints of God, and specifically this passage from Revelation, which I think is fabulous. Um, happy All Saints Day. It's the day on the um, church calendar. It is officially on November 1st, but we get to move it around um, to celebrate it on a Sunday, and we're celebrating it today. On this Sunday, we are remembering the saints of God. Um, and the challenge with this word saint is I think we often tend to relegate it to people who seem to be particularly holy. Perhaps a Saint Paul or a Saint Augustine or um, a soon-to-be Saint Mother Teresa. Now, to be sure, all these men and women are worth celebrating. By all means, they are giants of the faith, people that we can learn much from. 
But they're not the only saints in the church. Look around you, the person to your left or to your right. Believe it or not, that person, as far as they know Jesus Christ, is a saint. We are all saints. Paul writes to the saints in Ephesus in his book in Ephesians, and he's writing to the church, people who are alive, people that frankly might be kind of boring. But they believe in Jesus Christ, and they're saints. So we're going to take a look this morning um, at Revelation. We're going to talk about who these saints are, the ones who have come before us, the ones who exist alongside of us, the ones who are to come yet. And who are they? What makes them a saint? What do they do when they are saints? We can see all that in our great reading from Revelation chapter 7 this morning. But first, we need a little bit of context the author of Revelation is John, the same John that was brother of James, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is now alive long after Jesus' death, probably some 30 years or so. There's some intense persecution going on in the Roman Empire, and John has been exiled to an island called Patmos in the Mediterranean Sea. He's alone, he's far from his people, far from his church. And yet he has his God, his Savior. And so John is in exile, and then he's given this great vision of heaven. In fact, he's called up into the heavenly realm, and he stands before the throne of God. What an image that must have been. And there he sees the throne of God and all of the heavenly creatures, and there sitting on the throne is the Lamb of God. Not any lamb, mind you. A slain lamb sitting on the throne of God. And this lamb, Jesus Christ, is holding a great scroll sealed with seven seals. Now much has been made about this, but basically what's going on here is this scroll, it represents the history. It represents the things that are to come, the things of God that we can't possibly understand. They're rolled up and they're sealed. And only one person is worthy to open them. And that person is Jesus Christ. And so it's a pretty amazing image we have here. Jesus sitting on the throne of God, preparing to unveil to the world the mysteries of God that have been concealed from the very beginning of time. The ways of God, the purposes of God. Why are things happening? What's going on in history? And John, John is an eyewitness. What an amazing thing. And so, Revelation, this is in chapter 6, you know, we see these seals opened and, and things in the world get progressively worse and more terrifying. There's a great tribulation there is um, the wrath of the Lamb being poured out on those who do not believe. We're going to get into all this because this is kind of popular now. Isn't there a movie, Left Behind? That's out, right? So ask me about the movie. We won't get into it now. But, but, but this, is, this is a big deal. What's happening here is the, the plan of God is being executed by the only one who's worthy to do it, Jesus Christ. And the judgment of God is on full display and is so great 
and so horrible and so terrifying and the persecution going on is so great and so horrible and so terrifying that the world cries out at the end of chapter 6 the world cries out on the great day of wrath who can stand who can stand through the tribulation who can stand before the great judgment of God who can stand and that's the question that's being answered in chapter 7 who indeed can stand before God on these last days and the answer the saints of God the saints of God you and me our brothers and sisters around the world those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior they and they alone will stand on that final day. They and they alone will endure the tribulation. They and they alone will receive the good judgment of God. And so who are these people, these saints of God? Well, the first thing we saw from our reading this morning is that the saints of God are from all walks of life. From every nation, tribe, and tongue. Let's read verses 9 and 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number. From every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in right robes with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. You see that? A great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne. The people of God are so diverse. They're diverse economically, they're diverse ethnically, they're diverse socially. The people of God are a diverse group of people. And yet, they're as close as brothers and sisters. Why? Because of their faith in Jesus Christ. When I went to Kenya in August, I went, this is like one of the most remote areas in the world that I was in. And yet, it was as if I was at home. There weren't five kids running around. as if I had known these people my whole life. And I just met them, and we didn't even speak the same language. Because the church is so much bigger and so much greater than the people who just look like us and talk like us and behave like us. It's a great multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Listen, listen. Christians in Africa or Christians in the Middle East you have more in common with them than your neighbor down the street who doesn't know Jesus. Can you imagine? And this is one of those areas, you know, I love the church, and, and, and St. Paul's is, is very, actually, very good at this. We're a very diverse group of people. But, but by and large, churches tend to look, you know, look like the same people we hang out with out there, don't they? 
And this is a place that the Holy Spirit is still working, praise God. But, but what if a church looked like this? And one day it will. How amazing will that be? That the saints of God come from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. The second thing. The saints of God are enduring a great tribulation. Let's read on. I'm going to go down to verse 13. John asks a question, or one of the elders next to John asks a question. He says, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And John's like, really? Like, you're in heaven. I just got here. (laughs) You know the answer. He's much more polite. He says, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. 